0: What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito, back with episode 17 of the Gino Spirito podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today is Monday, February 8th. Um, It is the day after the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, this isn't still a national holiday, so... um, You know, if you're at work today, if you're at school today, I I totally feel you. I um, did not want to wake up for my 8 a.m. this morning. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think at this point um, I think it's surprising to hear that people don't watch the Super Bowl um, or they didn't catch it I feel like it's uh, it's just an it's like an you know a national um, just like get together really I don't know I feel like everybody from across the world is all tuned in for the game and Um, You know, on all your social media, I mean, at least on my social medias, um, my timeline is just flooded with what's going on in the game. Uh, I mean, what went on during halftime and the weekend, absolutely killing his performance. Um, But yeah, I I feel like everybody becomes, everybody that's not a football fan becomes a football fan on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, And then everybody that already is a football fan uh it's it's just uh it's the best day of the year for us so um i'll get into that i'm going to talk about the uh, nfl honors awards and uh, my thoughts on the people who won um but i hope you all are having a great monday i uh definitely did not want to wake up for my 8 a.m this morning um and i i do have uh two more classes to go and it is the start of our recruitment week for my fraternity, Sid McKay. Uh, so this will be a busy week for me, um, but uh, we got uh, we got off to the right right start. I, I was happy to have the Super Bowl yesterday, and um, you know just going into this week, uh, just just ready to grind, ready ready to be in grind mode. But um, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, before we get into the Super Bowl, I, I really wanted, like I said, I wanted to talk about um, the NFL Honors, uh, the NFL Honors Awards. That happened on um, Saturday, February 6th, uh, as we all got to celebrate uh, the best of the best this year and uh, congratulate those who, um, you know, for their terrific seasons, really, and just uh, the, um, the abilities that some of these guys had throughout the season in order to uh, put their team in successful positions, um, you know. I feel like the the group, of, the group of guys who won these awards were um, pretty similar to the predictions that I had. Um, so I was pretty hyped about that. Um, but let's get into it, of course. You know, let's start with MVP. Goes to other no other than Aaron Rodgers. He is now a three-time MVP. Um, he was able to uh, beat out Patch Mahomes, who... Uh, got who basically got second in um, voting. Um, after week nine this year, Aaron Rodgers actually completed 75% of his passage his passes. He averaged about 261 yards per game. Uh, he threw 28 touchdowns, three interceptions in that span. Um, Green Bay obviously won the NFC north, clinched the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. Um, you know the 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 man for the year finished with uh, 48 touchdowns and only five interceptions, threw for about 4,300 yards. Um, you know, it's just it's it was a pretty you know miraculous season as as you know the the touchdown to the touchdown interception ratio is just ridiculous. Um, you know, there's a reason why Green Bay's offense was as good as they were this year. And, you know, it's, it starts with the man up top. It starts with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, his, his PFF grade of a 95.1 was uh, the highest that has ever been recorded in a single season. And I, I feel uh, now that the Packers have come out and um, – base. well, there were rumors that the Rams – tried to get Aaron Rodgers, and that didn't necessarily mean that they were true. It didn't necessarily mean that Packers needed to speak on them. But the fact that Matt LaFleur decided to speak on them and say that he's going to be here for a long time to come, uh, I think that, that uh, it, it'll be interesting to see um, now that the Packers have verbally committed to Aaron Rodgers. you know, We'll see how long uh, his next contract is for. We'll see how much it's worth. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing with Jordan Love if they keep him around. Um, if I had a guess, I, I would guess that Aaron Rodgers signs a two to three year deal. I can't see him signing a one year deal. Um, you know, probably around the range of eighty to ninety million. You know, maybe even more. Probably more towards that. I know how much was Tom. Tom was making. Uh, I didn't, I, th- I thought Tom was making. I thought he signed a two year fifty million dollar deal or something like that. But. Uh nevertheless, I think I think Aaron Rodgers should be in that 30-40 million dollar range um per per year. But we will see. Congratulations to him though on a spectacular season, a well-deserved MVP, and um hopefully uh next year around this time, we can be uh you know talking about Aaron Rodgers and a possibly another Super Bowl. Hopefully the Packers can get over that hump for him and uh, he can go after ring number 2. Uh, The next award was uh, the Offensive Player of the Year, which goes goes to none other than Derrick Henry as he was the heart and soul of this Tennessee offense in in this uh, 2020-2021 season. He had uh, 397 total touches, 2,100 total scrimmage yards, which which of course 2,027 of those yards were rushing as he did join the uh, 2,000-yard rushing club. Um, and he had 17 total touchdowns. So, you know what a remarkable season uh, that it was for Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I I I had no doubt that uh, this man um, was it like was at least in the running for MVP, but for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, as a, a, an award that should go to um, just a, a when you think of the Titans offense, uh, you know you think of Derrick Henry first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, and then number six is maybe Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. But, you know, like this man is, like I said, the heart and soul of this Tennessee offense. And, um, you know, to rush for 2,000 yards, to have 400 touches in a season for the second year in a row, um, you know, just to be throwing dudes around. uh, This man had a remarkable season. Um, And I'm, you know, these these stats speak for themselves. Uh, I'm very interested to see how the Titans' offense does evolve. Um, What do they plan to do? Um, Also, with Derrick Henry's contract, as he was on a franchise tag this past year, I think he made about fourteen million dollars. We'll see if they place another franchise tag on him. If um, they aren't able to come to a full or uh, a full. contract guarantee or they can't come to any agreements um in regards to that uh but um I really cannot see the Titans letting this man walk as he like I just said is the heart and soul of this Tennessee offense and I'm not saying that this Tennessee offense can evolve can't evolve but um you know when you have a guy that led the NFL in rushing for the past two years and he just um, became the eighth member of the 2,000-yard rushing club. On top of that, he's only entering his sixth season in the NFL. And on top of that, for 1,500 yards of those 2,000 this year were after contact. You know what I mean? Like, this is a once-in-a-generation running back, and I just I think the Tennessee Titans would be absolutely stupid to let them go let him go, so I really don't think that'll happen, but um, their offense has to evolve, you know, they have to get the passing game going with Ryan Tannehill, they have to give A.J. Brown more touch and more looks, um, because, you know, that running, it, there's nothing against Derrick Henry, that running game and everything couldn't work during the regular season, and they can get to the playoffs, as they did, you know, achieve the, achieve the um, four seed in the playoffs this year. Uh, They can win their division doing that. But once it comes playoff time, you know, if you don't don't have everything else clicking the way that the Titans were when they made that AFC championship run last year, Uh, Ryan Tannehill didn't look as good this year. He wasn't as sharp with his passes. Um, They relied a lot on Derrick Henry last year, but at least that man was coming in clutch uh, when he did replace Marcus Mariota about halfway through the season. Um, But something needs to change in terms of, in terms of that in order for Tennessee to make that jump next year and I, I really just hope Derrick Henry gets paid like I said I mean I don't think this man deserves to be playing one year at a time playing on his franchise tag I feel like he deserves that long-term deal he he deserves that um, just that comfort just that um, you know if I get hurt or injured I, I still know that my money's good um, I think he's The best running back in the league and he has been for the past few years um in terms of pure rushing power running back football so you know we'll see what happens i I really hope this man gets paid and i'm really excited to see the signs next year so the defensive player of the year this one is probably was probably the most controversial uh controversial award um as aaron donald won this um he is now um, a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award uh, winner, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Um, as he led the team in uh, he he led the team in sacks with 13 and a half. He uh, had 14 tackles for loss, 28 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles um, with the recovery. Um, you know, I, I this man is just a pure beast, a pure monster. Um, there's a reason. Uh, that teams have to game plan around Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald only when it comes to playing the Rams I know there's Jalen Ramsey I know there's other aspects but that's that's what made this Rams defense the number one defense this past year of course Brandon Staley helps so it'll be interesting to see um, how the Rams defense is without their coordinator from this past year who when they were the number one rated defense but you have a guy like Aaron Donald who you zone in on You try to commit to him. You try to stop him, but then you have Jalen Ramsey on the outside as well. So who else are you gonna, you know, who else? How are you gonna attack both those guys? You know what I mean? How are you going to, uh, you know, double, triple team Aaron Donald, but you know, to give more time in the pocket for your quarterback. But then you have Jalen Ramsey, who's the best corner in the league, guarding one of your guys. So it might take you a minute to. uh, it, It might take an extra while for that for your man to get open. It might you know, never be open, uh, if you don't have those right play calls, you know, Jalen Ramsey's the guy, he's, he's, you know, he's, he has a strap, he's he's gonna, he's going to check you at the line, like, you know, there's a reason why this Rams defense is so good, and, uh, there's a reason why Aaron Donald was the highest rated defender this year for PFF at 94.2, you know, um, you know, his, his career by the year has been pretty remarkable as, uh, in 2014, his rookie year, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. He made the Pro Bowl. So he made he has made the Pro Bowl from 2014 to 2020. That's been his entire career. But his first year, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, 2015 to 2017. I mean, not 2015. 2015 to 2020, though, for his second through – his second through seventh seasons in the league, he's been on the first team all pro all six seasons. In, he has won Defensive uh, Player of the Year in 2017, 2018, and now 2020. So what a remarkable career in the first seven years. I mean, if this man were to hang it up, I, I I don't see why there would be a reason as to why he isn't in Canton. I know he's only he joins a he joins a list of only three people total, including himself, of players that have won Defensive Player of the Year. Three times, which is now JJ Watt himself and Lawrence Taylor. So, what a remarkable company to be around uh, for Aaron Donald. Um, But speaking of JJ Watt, of course, uh, this did cause controversy as uh, TJ Watt um, on paper had a better season than Aaron Donald. I mean, in tackles, uh, TJ had 53 to 41, sats 15 to 13.5, tackles for loss 23 to 12, pressures 55 to 42, quarterback hits 41 to 26 um, defenses, seven to one interceptions, one to zero. The only thing that Aaron Donald had the edge in was forced fumbles as he had four compared to two of TJ Watt. Uh, this caused some uproar from TJ Watts, uh, teammates on in Pittsburgh from, uh, his brother, JJ Watt. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, um, I feel like, You know, Aaron Donald's stats may not always speak for themselves or compared to, you know, a guy like T.J. Watt. Um, But I think what it comes down to is the Aaron Donald effect. Uh, Is the fact that teams have to specifically game plan for this guy. I'm not saying that T.J. Watt isn't a good player and teams don't have to make sure they know where the fuck he is on the field. But have you seen Aaron Donald? Have you seen the way that defenses have to you know surround him did did you not just hear that this man has been a first team all pro for six out of his seven years the only year he didn't make that was his rookie season where he still won defensive rookie of the year you know he still made the pro bowl that year uh you know his aaron Rodgers. i mean aaron (laughs) aaron donald is a freak of nature and there's a reason why all that stuff needs to happen when you are game planning for the rams um, and unfortunately, T.J. Watt is getting the shit end of the stick. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to win Defensive uh, Player of the Year. I feel like T.J. Watt had a remarkable year, but I'm just saying that is exactly why Aaron Donald won and not him. But um, both had great years. Uh, shout out to Aaron Donald. Congrats on a now being a three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. So getting to Offensive Rookie of the Year. This was another one that was a close race between Justin Herbert and. Justin Jefferson, but uh, Justin Herbert ended up getting the nod as, uh, of course, uh, the sits overall pick um, started his first game in Week 2 after uh, Tyrod Taylor had a punctured lung, and um, he ended up... uh, Basically, having the best rookie quarterback season of all time, um, and that's not even in a biased way. I mean, he has the most passing touchdowns, most total touchdowns, most completions, most three plus or two pl- and two plus touchdown games, most three hundred yard games, uh, most yards per game average, an eight time rookie of the week, and a two time rookie of the month, and second most uh, yards in rookie in NFL rookie history. I mean. You know what I mean? That's eight right there. Eight award, Eight, uh, basically awards slash records that this man broke throughout the season. What a remarkable year by Justin Herbert. Um, you know, it it was really good to see a lot of the guys um, um, in on the Chargers in the organization and a lot of just NFL uh, NFL heads uh congratulating him and um, uh, just showing some love to Justin Herbert. I, I mean, this 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 man had. Literally the greatest quarterback um, season in rookie history. Um, you know, he, he, he came out and said, we did this together. It's an honor that I would like to dedicate to the entire Chargers organization, Bolt family. I'm so thankful for my teammates, coaches, and everyone in the front office. Thank you for teaching me more than just the game of football. It, it's really, really, really good to see how much this team rides for each other, how happy they are to see others accomplish stuff like an Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think it just beats volumes to, you know, what this team can accomplish with the right coaching staff, with the right schemes, Uh, that togetherness, that uh, team mentality is is so integrated in our system. And I feel like, um, you know, with the right guys surrounding uh, these players, the sky's the limit. And I, I feel like especially for this man, Justin Herbert, I'm very excited to see what he can do next year. Um, you know, with a new coaching staff, uh, full off season to prepare. Uh, hopefully, we'll see how practices and training camp work next year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what it's what it's about. Of course, um, bolt the fuck up. I'm so happy for Justin Herbert, um, and that leads me to defensive rookie of the year, who is none other than Chase Young, as uh, this uh, Ohio State's alum. Uh, finished the year with seven and a half sats, recovered three fumbles, had 10 tackles for loss in about 15 games, um, and of course had that touchdown. Um, he also had 12 quarterback hits. Uh, I mean, this man was a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what Washington does with their quarterback situation. Um, but their defense is the least of their worries as that front seven is just was insane they were keeping them in the games um at the beginning of the year and then of course um the combat player of the year al smith comes in and it leads them to a five and one record as a starter leads them to an nfc east champion or a title leads them to the playoffs of course they fell short to tom brady but chase young got that defense going from the get-go he uh set the set the bar high for, um, himself for the next few years and, uh, following up this rookie campaign because what a remarkable year he had. Um, it was unanimous for who would win uh, defensive rookie of the year, but Chase Young, what a great year he had. And of course, like I just said, Al Smith, comeback player of the year, um, 17 surgeries, considered amputation and wow, just to come back, lead the team to a Lead the team to a, a you know, a um, division title. Lead the team uh, to a 5-1 record as a starter. Just had the offense completely elevated once he started. Um, and whoever voted for Big Ben to make that vote 49-1, to he, he should definitely get his pri- privileges of voting away. I don't understand how you don't – I don't understand how Big Ben had a better combat season than Al Smith. I don't know how anybody in the history of the NFL had a better combat season than Al Smith. So – you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm sure the name, I don't know if the name of that guy is already out, but we will see who it is. And I hope he has his reasons, but shout out to Al Smith and Chase Young for having some great seas, having two great seasons. Um, so that leads to the coach of the year who was none other than Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. Um, of course, he, uh, came over from the Vikings last off season to uh, basically guide Cleveland to the playoffs for the first time since 2002. They finished 11 and five. Um, they beat the Steelers in uh, the wild card uh, round matchup in a complete blowout fashion, and honestly held their own against the Chiefs. Could have won that game, um, but I mean to. Come into an organization like the Cleveland Browns and completely flipped the culture uh, in his first year of coaching. Um, this man definitely deserves this award without question and what a year for the Cleveland Browns I know their fans are happy and. Um, yeah this this award was definitely definitely um, deserving uh, the Walter Payne man of the year uh, when went to none other than Russell Wilson, of course. You know, he had a great season leading Seattle to the three seed, of course getting upset in the wild card round by the Rams. But he was the leader in MVP votes for probably the first half of the season. Um, but uh, that didn't matter because uh, that's on the field. And uh, the more important stuff are off the field as, uh, you know, he um, had uh, plenty of work in his uh, – he had plenty of uh, social justice work through his uh, Why, Not, Why Not You Foundation Um and, uh, you know, like, like I said, it's uh, the stuff off the field that's more important than on the field, and Russell Wilson showed that you can do both at a very, very, very high level this year. So congratulations to him. The assistant coach of the year goes, other to, goes to no other than Brian Dabble as he uh, led Buffalo to a two-seed, elevated Josh Allen's game to another, another dimension, um, had this offense playing at such a high level all year. Um, so that's definitely deserving. Uh, the clutch performance play of the year goes other to um, Kyler Murray and, De- and DeAndre Hopkins for their Hail Mary. Of course, I don't think there was a better play this year. I don't think there was a better play in the last five years maybe. And maybe we're talking about another Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary, but what a, what a play that was. Um, definitely the clutchest play of the year. Um, the fantasy player of the year goes to Josh Allen. Uh, the Aaron Round players go in, go to Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry, of course, and then the Sportsmanship Award went to Teddy Bridgewater of the Panthers. Um, so yeah, what a, what a, an award, uh, an award year, uh, an award year. I think there was a lot of great, um, there was a lot of great talent that played this year, um, and uh, a lot of these guys were super deserving, and a, some of these awards came down to the wire. Like I said. So um, I think that just speaks volumes to the amount of talent that is truly in this league, and I- I'm excited for Nets year already. Um, but of course, how can I not talk about the Super Bowl? As yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday, the Chiefs coming into this game at 16 and two, the Buccaneers 14 and five. Obviously, the Buccaneers had to win. Excuse me, three straight to play a home Super Bowl. So they are, I know they're feeling nice about coming coming back. The Chiefs coming off of the huge blowout win in the AFC Championship game. The Buccaneers coming off of a dominant performance over the MVP Aaron Rodgers in this Packers offense. Um, and of course this these two teams met in Week 12 and in the, the Chiefs got the better end of it 27 to 24. This game uh, was in Tampa. It did see Tyreek Hill have a record setting eight receptions, 203 yards and two touchdowns in just the first quarter. Um, but the Buccaneers are a different team now, you know. They were a different team since that week 12 matchup. They had a bye and then they won seven straight and in, in route to the to being the first team to host a Super Bowl. So both teams um, very deserving to be in this spot. Um and we uh, see right off the uh, right off the back that uh, the Buccaneers got off to a very very hot start as Tom Brady actually scored his first touchdown in the first quarter in uh, his Super Bowl history. I felt like that was crazy, a crazy stat to see. Um, and him and Gronk made even more history as they became um, the NFL postseason um, touchdown duo leader. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right, but. Basically, well, Gron finished with two touchdowns, so now uh, Tom Brady to, Gron- to has is 14 total touchdowns deep in the postseason, which is the most by a quarterback-receiver duo of all time. Um, but on the other side of the ball, uh, it was definitely ice cold from the beginning as Patrick Mahomes finished the first quarter two for eight with only nine yards, and um, And by the end of the first half, that didn't really improve much as he was 9-for-19 for for 67 yards. Uh, This Kansas City offense could just not get it rolling in the first half. And it seemed like the Buccaneers were just off to a very, very hot hot start. Um, And and this game was definitely getting out of hand as uh, Gronk became um, the second player to have multiple receiving touchdowns in multiple Super Bowls uh you know matching none other than the goat Jerry Rice Tom Brady in the first half 16 for 20 with 140 yards and three touchdowns it was all Tampa Bay um you know it was uh, the biggest lead that Tom Brady had ever had in a Super in, in a Super Bowl um the previous to that was only a 14 to 3 lead um but uh coming out of halftime the Chiefs needed something uh they, um, you know, needed a spark, uh, and they honestly just could never get it going. I, I think I, I really felt bad for Pashma Holmes. Um, you know, he ran for a total of 497 yards before his passes or sats in the Super Bowl, uh, and that was the most uh, pre-throw, pre pre-sack yards um, by any quarterback in the game this season and you could just see it from the get-go that um, this Chiefs offense were missing their starting two tackles I I thought that Patrick Mahomes would have to play a perfect game to win and beat the Buccaneers front four front seven but I didn't think it would be that bad Um, you know but when you have those guys JPP you have the and Sue coming at you and uh, coming at some backups. It's it's the recipe for um, not success, if you want me to be completely honest. Um, and if you can't get them all moving or doing anything, really, just completely relying on Patrick Mahomes making a spectacular play, which he did multiple times, but his receivers were just not – catching the ball and it was just unfortunate that tremendous throw him diving to the ground throwing it up and it hits carlos edward i think it was Ed, uh, edward tide in the fucking face mask oh my god i would have been livid as patrick Mahomes, but um you know the buccaneers of course ended up taking taking this one 31 29 uh it, you know tom brady wins his 7th uh, super bowl as he finishes the game, he finished the game with uh, 201 yards, 21 for 29, and three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had a remarkable game on the ground. 16 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then Rob Gronkowski led, led receivers with six receptions, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. This Chiefs offense, who was so dominant all year, uh, just could not do anything against his Buccaneers. As Patrick Mahomes finished 26 for 49 with 270 yards and two interceptions. Um... The leading receiver and the most, uh, receiving yards in NFL history by a tight end in the Super Bowl was Travis Chelsea, ten receptions, one hundred and thirty-three yards. Tyree Till finished seven, seven receptions for seventy-three yards. Um, yeah, but like I said, this uh, Chiefs defense was held to zero touchdowns, and that was the first time for a Mahomes-led um, offense. Um, you know, it was the. What's it called? The most uh, pressures in Super Bowl history, and that was at uh, 29 um, total for the game for this uh, Buc- Buccaneers defense. Uh, Todd Boyles deserves the MVP. Um, I-, I felt like he had a He knew, like everybody else, that this Chiefs offense would be struggling without these tackles, and uh, he he just conceived the perfect game plan. Uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes dropped back. To pass 56 times, and he faced a blitz only on 11% of those 56 times, but um during the game—okay, sorry, I said this wrong. He dropped back to pass 56 times. He faced a blitz only 11% of those times, but the 29 pressures that he faced came against four or fewer defenders. So basically, he had pressure half of his uh, attempts at passing. So 29 out of the 56 times he had pressure. And out of those 29 times, 27 of those came against a pass rush or four or fewer. So they weren't even bringing guys and, you know, blitzing, doing, you know, that type of stuff to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. They were just getting pressure on him, getting that initial push off the line of scrimmage. Um... And I think uh, that just speaks volumes to uh, what this Buccaneers front four were really doing to this Chiefs offensive line. They literally blitzed 10% of the game. But if you watch this game, if you you were really watching, you felt like this Buccaneers defense was bringing the absolute most pressure the entire game. It was honestly just sad to watch for the Chiefs. but uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is now zero and two against Tom Brady in the playoffs, and he is five and zero against anybody else. Uh, after the game, they he said that they beat us good, and that's the best I've got beaten in a long time. And um, it was definitely um, the case as uh, Tampa Bay. Um, like I said, the total pressures were twenty 29- nine to five from the Chiefs you know I think that that speaks volumes uh, to just how the game went and how Tom Brady just really wasn't touched a lot I mean Patrick Holmes also suffered his first two-score loss of his career that was 53 consecutive starts without uh, suffering a two-score loss that's the uh, most in quarterback history he broke Tom Brady's record of 45 um, you know it, w- it was just it, it got out of hand very fast for uh, the Chiefs but um, Patrick Mahomes, three-year stretch, 43 wins, 131 passing touchdowns, 16,000 passing yards. Obviously, he won last year's MVP of the Super Bowl, and he was a 2018 NFL MVP and Offense Player of the Year. So I have no doubt that the Chiefs will be here and will be relevant for a long time to come. But last night was simply, simply not their night. Um, but um, it definitely was. Uh, the Buccaneers night as Tom Brady and this uh, Buccaneers team becomes the first team to beat three Super Bowl MVPs in the same season that being Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and now Patrick Mahomes. Um, Tom Brady has more Super Bowl wins than literally every single NFL franchise um, as the Patriots, Steelers have six, Cowboys, and 49ers have five, and now Tom Brady um, has seven. Um, you know, I I just I can't speak um, much more on the history that we are seeing in front of our eyes. It's remarkable what Tom Brady has done, and to be of course to be now the first team to win this home Super Bowl uh, in his first year in a COVID season, a COVID off season, um, and for the game to be it was like it was it was it was a dominant performance by this Buccaneers uh, team on all phases of the game in all phases of the game. And you could just tell the Chiefs were uh, experiencing that Tom Brady effect. Uh, Mahomes just could never get settled in the pocket all game. Uh, receivers dropping passes nonstop. It was just extremely one-sided, and I was very, very surprised for that. Um, you know, you can never really count Kansas City out of any game they're in. You can never count them out. Um, and you were just—we—I felt like we were just all waiting for that moment. You know, Patrick Mahomes is gonna make a crazy play. Tyree kills going to run past everybody and score a seventy-yard touchdown. Travis Kelsey is gonna uh, just run somebody over and get this offense going. But it just never happened for them. You know, um, I feel like Patrick Mahomes' first interception, the the tip uh, that went into um, went in, went in the air and, and was was uh, pipped off with about six or seven minutes left in the third quarter, was kind of the that first initial dagger and um Leonard Fournette scoring a touchdown on on the within two minutes of that happening was that second dagger and it, it just didn't get better the bleeding didn't stop for the Chiefs um and unfortunately they were not able to get it done um but congratulations to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for executing their game plan perfectly winning this game 31 to 9 um but let's get into the weekend Super Bowl performance you know his this was a little controversial this will be the last thing i talk about today um, but he came out, uh, to this backdrop of, uh, the after hours persona. He's in a car, he's in Las Vegas, he's walking around and, uh, he then is, I think it was a, I don't know who, which choir it was, but this stage is full of about 50 people, uh, singing these background vocals and he comes out to none, nothing other than Starboy. um, uh, you know, the song that basically made him the multi star that he is, um, and that was followed by uh, The Hills, uh, Can't Feel My Face, I Feel It Coming, Save Your Tears, Earned It, and my favorite song of them all, House of Balloons was played, and the transition from House of Balloons into Blinding Lights was just phenomenal. The weekend absolutely destroyed his Super Bowl halftime performance, I don't care what anybody says. Some people were saying he should have had somebody as a guest. Why does this man need a special guest for his performance? Did you did you not just hear the track list I gave you? Five of those songs, five of those songs on the not eight debuted at number. I have Pete on the Billboard at number one. Five of them. Not the. I mean, he ended his set to the number one song this year, and then he pulls out a he pulls out House of Balloons. Are you kidding me? A song that, you know, 10 years old now and still, you know, got everybody in that stadium. And I know everybody at home extremely hyped hearing that. Come on, man. This man absolutely continues to kill it. He is the modern day Michael Jackson I think some people wanted more of a performance that, you know, the way Bruno Mars can play the piano and dance. And I feel like sometimes with Super Bowl halftime shows, that's what we're able to see. But I feel like the weekend uh, had a vision. He will like he if you watched any of his videos, he wanted to keep a lot of people safe um, and not really utilize the field as much as it has been in the past. So I think that's why that huge, huge stage was set up for him. Um. On, I mean, like in the stadium, basically, is it was like he was another bleacher, basically. Um, It was, I think, I don't know if it was the same side as the ship, but it's like he built his own stage. Um, Just, I think he his envision was to just kind of stay away from the players um, (coughs) on the field, and I know, of course, at the very end of his performance, he um, kind of had a. I mean, kind of, he, he had about a hundred uh, after hour characters running around the field as he performed blinding lights and all these fireworks that were going off. Um, but I think that was, I think, I, I, I just think he killed it. I I mean, I think the music speech for itself, you know, I just, um, you, you can't have that many number one hits. The rest of those songs were top 10 hits, uh, top 15 hits, you know, like. The music spoke for itself. For the first time in a while, I felt like we had an artist who is so, so relevant right now. I know Bruno Mars is probably in that category as well. Um, who He's coming off of a major year, and then he performs at the Super Bowl. But the weekend as well. He's performing at the Super Bowl after a major hit year um, for himself and Etzo. And for him to perform all these hits from different eras as well. It wasn't like he just performed shit off of After Hours. He performed songs from like basically every era of The weekend, every persona that he has created, and it's remarkable to see that he has had a number one hit in all of these different eras, and he gave all of those to us for the performance, and that's what I found the most remarkable is The Weeknd just flexed as hard as he could. He said, these are all of my number one hits, and I have even more hits to follow. I don't even have to perform my new shit. I'm going to perform two songs of my new shit, Um, and I mean... It it's just speaks volumes to who The weekend is in an, as an artist and what he brings to the table when he does a show like the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, shout-outs to The weekend. I, I thought that the performance was great, and I, I'm just so happy for a man that, you know, he, he was homeless 10 years ago, trying to gain uh, some support as a local artist, and look at him now, performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, it was very remarkable. Um, I think I'm gonna call it there. I, I really enjoyed talking about the Super Bowl and NFL honors and my thoughts. I, I really hope you guys have a um, you know good Monday, a good start to your week. I, um, I know that I have classes soon and uh, it's time to grind. so I hope you all have a nice gr- uh, ha- have a nice week full of uh, grinding full of uh, fulfillments in uh, that way. Uh, you know don't let another week go by without, you uh you know chasing your dreams going after it but uh you know as always it's been real thank you so much for tuning in this has been Gino spirito on the Gino spirito podcast episode 17 i love it i love you all for tuning in thank you so much and i will see you all on wednesday thank you